Are you tired of playing the same old games over and over again? Are you looking to spice up your game night with creative new ideas? Look no further because we're here to add some excitement back into your game night. We'll even show you how to take your love of games outside the confines of the living room. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone! In this episode, we discuss hosting remote role-playing with others who may not have all the role-playing accessories. In the dice roll, we list games that are getting a little old after repeat plays. We have a fully digital escape room report, and as always, we have our Friday favorites. Lately, I've been wanting to kind of escape the world, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah, you can do that with different ways, like video games or reading, but I always enjoy playing with others, you know? So I've been trying to delve more into role-playing games. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know about you, but for this Friday game night, I am bringing a leveled up version of my DMing skills. I've been watching some videos lately about tips on how to be mm-hmm. a good DM or a better DM, you know. And I think the thing that was most important for me that I tried recently that proved to be greatly successful is removing the character sheet. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds weird, but like it kind of feels like the rules were holding us back from fun, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm bringing together a more fun, dumbed-down role-playing experience. How about you? What are you going to be bringing to game night? Well, I mean, we say bringing to game night, but of course we're not exactly having our normal game nights. We are still hosting some um, digital things here and there Mm -hmm. when we can. Um, But you and I have, you know, been looking for new things to keep us busy during quarantine right um we started out with i had some house projects but i kind of finished those and can't really start on others Mm. right now um so you and i actually you introduced me to an online game that we've been playing together um so we have recently entered the world of warcraft world (laughs) it's amazing too because you know nothing of Uh -uh. the backstory or lore behind Uh it you're just like oh, there's a bunch of green guys here. What do I do? Kill them. (laughs) Yeah, well, and then, like, you know, one of the things I have to keep stressing to you is, you know, well, there'll be something new, and and I'll be like, I don't know what to do, and you'll be like, well, you just left-click. And I'm like, nothing ever told me to do that. How would I know to do that, you know? (laughs) It's actually interesting. I heard this... um... I heard this docu- mini documentary recently. I wish mm-hmm. I could remember the name. If I can remember it, I'll post a link for it. But it's this guy who essentially is in the same situation where he's played games all his life and his girlfriend or wife had not. Mm-hmm. And she wants to play games. So he actually did this experiment watching her play games and going through the struggle of learning the language of video games. Uh-huh. Because it's not automatically apparent to people who just start out that you press B to jump. Mm-hmm. Some games have to tell you that, you know? Yeah. And it, it's just amazing to see, like, how it goes through. Like, for me, I know that in playing a game like WoW, that when you're flying, you hit the same button to jump as to ascend. Mm-hmm. And the same button to sit down as to descend. And you're like, I don't... How, how would I ever know that? Mm-hmm. And, like, that makes sense because I know how to speak video games and you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Yeah, at least, well, I'm not used to playing those kind of video games. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm there's different games. I'm used to playing games. controller games. Exactly, because this, like this is your first major, like, fully integrated keyboard, like, computer mm-hmm. video game. Yeah, you're used to using just a controller that has a limited number of buttons and commands uh-huh, it can do. Yeah, yeah, and then there's, you know, extra things that you can do, like target things and add notes to the map. And I always have to ask you again, like, what is the, command? the command? for this? You know, yeah. like, I don't have a memory for that kind of stuff. So Remember, I got a steel <laughs> trap full of nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's been a, a new thing for us to kind of do together. We can mm-hmm. kind of play it together and we can also play it on our own a little, too. Yeah. Um, so, it's just, it's giving us something different to do. It gives us something. See, that's the other thing I think that's hard about the quarantine is that, we don't have anything to talk about because we're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same, like, I call my, my parents and it's like, well, what have you been doing? Nothing. You know, like, I've been here, you know? Um, so it, it does, you, we, you don't have a lot to talk about. And mm-hmm. so when we're not playing the game, when we're going for a walk around our neighborhood or something like that, it gives us something to discuss and to, Yeah, you normally know. <laughs> for our walks, we talk about projects that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Nowadays for walks, like, okay, so if you go to Goldshire, right? Yeah. There's a vendor there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's giving us, like, something different to do right. during the quarantine. Oh, and for those of you who are wondering, I let Lauren pick her character first, and then mm-hmm. I picked a character to suit. Mm-hmm. You are a human ranger, so mm-hmm. you pick the alliance side. Now, me in my heart, I would have picked Horde. But that's me. Mm-hmm. So in my heart, I'm the Horde. And I always feel sad whenever I see a Horde player like, oh, 
but I want I want to be in your cities, but I'm also fine and okay with being alliance. So I turn sides for you, and I am I am trying out the Worgen Druid, mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting race com- and class combination. Uh huh. She's really fast. She can get anywhere really yeah. fast. You know? And and true to form, much like our D&D characters, I'm just collecting all the pets and driving you crazy. Yeah, you, you had to be someone with a bow, and you're like, and I want to have a pet. And then as soon as you realize there's a fox in the game, you're like, I'm collecting all, all the, the foxes. All the foxes, yes. Tell them about your, your current um, Moby Dick. Oh, yes. I'm currently... So the other thing is, not only did I want to get all the foxes, but then I found out there were some special foxes in the game that like are rare kind of drops mm. and stuff. And so I've been able to capture all but, well, as far as I know, because, you know, new ones keep coming up, but I've been able to capture all but one, and it's this rare lightning fox, and I cannot, like, I know where it's supposed to be, but I cannot find it, and it's driving me insane. Right. Yeah. So this week for game night, I have already brought Virtual Crack. And I've given it to Lauren. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've definitely played it more than I thought I would. Yeah. It's fun though, right? <laughs> yeah, it is fun. And like I said, and it's, at first when you sort of introduced me to the commerce part of it, I mm-hmm. was just like, oh, this is dumb. But now like, it's I've gotten into the commerce part and like, we'll both just be like, okay, we're just going to go down back to town and set up stuff in the auction. And mm-hmm. we know. always have a moment where like, okay, we have about half an hour left to gameplay. Let's go do commerce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we still are getting together with friends every Friday virtually mm-hmm. and having a game night of sorts. Yeah. And recently, I've been wanting to go back into role playing, mm-hmm. which is kind of difficult because not everybody has a 20 sided dice mm-hmm. or even a dice. Uh, for people who are not normally gamers, they don't collect board games. To ask them to find even a six sided dice in the house can sometimes be a bit of an ask, uh-huh. you know? I don't own Monopoly. I'm sorry. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's right now, obviously it's hard to get stuff, mm-hmm. but also, you know, if so, people right now are looking for something to do, right? So they're a little bit more open to wanting to try something, new. try something new. So wh- whereas maybe normally the idea of a role-playing game would be a turnoff. They're like, Hey, it's something right. right. And this is not having to have anything makes it even easier right. for them to just jump in. So I have uh, recently gone and started role-playing with friends through Skype sessions. Mm-hmm. And I I realized, you know what? We don't even really need the character sheets. Mm-hmm. If I dumb everything down to the average mean number, you know, just across the board, it's five. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's all it is. Yeah. And, you know, there's different ways in which you can technically roll a dice without using dice. I actually made it so that people who don't have the equipment to mm-hmm. play a game normally can fully interact and play the games. Uh-huh. So today we're going to talk about ways in which you can role play without dice. So the current game that I'm playing is the one I've been wanting to do for a while, and I've talked about it in some of the Friday favorites before, is Capers. Mm-hmm. The one where you are, well, the original one was 1930s uh, kind of gangsters with mm-hmm. essentially X-Men superpowers. But they've done a whole bunch of other modules lately that, like, 60s spies or, like, you know, more 90s, like, uh, I think they have one coming out even that's, like, um, cyberpunk or something like that. But they've done different eras. That's the point. But in that method or in that system, they use a regular deck of playing cards where, you know, high draw card is, like, rolling high on the dice. Mm -hmm. And you're just constantly shuffling and leaning your deck and trying to pull that. The thing I like about it is twofold. Number one many people are more likely to have a deck of cards in their house mm-hmm. than a dice, a 20-sided yeah. dice. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to get someone who happens to have that. And then, you know, yes, there is also the argument you can make, well, Greg, you have the 20-sided dice or you have the deck of cards. Can't you just roll for them? Mm-hmm. Part of the experience I think that people enjoy is knowing that I did that. Mm-hmm. And if I am the one rolling the dice for them, I just tell them that they did that. Yeah. But when you roll the dice or you pull the cards... You did that. You have more control over your destiny then. Yeah. And so I kind of feel like it softens the blow or Mm -hmm. the thrill rather of each moment. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that if it was a situation where they didn't have a card or they didn't have a dice that you couldn't. It's just better if they can do it themselves. Right. During my recent uh, role playing session this past Friday, 
uh, one of my friends, she did not have a deck of cards. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I have a separate deck. So I will keep that aside for you. And I will pull cards whenever you tell me to pull cards. Mm -hmm. And that worked out. You know, yeah. I just, she always had to say like, okay, I like to pull a card. And then I had to hold the card up to the camera so she could see what it is. Mm -hmm. But it worked fine. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, it, it was maybe a bit much for me to have to juggle so many decks in front of me. Uh -huh. But I still managed to make it work. I just put out a three by five card that said, you know, like Karen's up in front here, you know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there was a couple other systems that I found in doing research for this episode that I thought I wanted to share as well, uh -huh. that if you don't even have a deck of cards, here's a way that you can role play. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first one I found that I thought was very interesting is, um, and I've tried this once before. It just didn't work for my gaming group, but I think it definitely has merit is the dread system. Dread is a online role playing game that's horror based and you are always going through scenarios in which the players are being threatened with their lives. Uh -huh. One of them, I, off the top of my head, is you're at the Grand Canyon camping and a werewolf is attacking you. So, like, you have to keep running from the wolf. Mm -hmm. And how it works is typically people have a Jenga tower. And the game is built around the idea of a Jenga tower. And every time you're doing something that's risky, that player has to essentially play one round of Jenga. Mm -hmm. And once the tower falls, whoever made it fall, their character dies. So whatever risky thing they were doing, they fail at. Mm -hmm. What I like about this system is that it's full of constantly succeeding. It's not players going, darn, well, I just keep rolling low, so I'm not doing anything. Mm -hmm. You're always able to do something. It's just, when will you finally fail? Uh -huh. Right, and it gets more suspension and build up because at first you're like, "Oh, this is nothing," but then as the story goes on and it gets more and more dangerous, it really gets nerve wracking for you know making sure that it doesn't fall and your character dies. However, many people would not have a Jenga set, mm -hmm. but my solution is to go the opposite way. Rather than having tower that you're that you're deconstructing, mm -hmm. why not have a tower that you are constructing? So my home fix for this would be get books of approximately the same size or DVD cases or mm -hmm. CD cases that are all the same size and essentially do a um, house of cards, like stacking tower with it. Uh -huh. And once that tower falls, mm -hmm. then that person dies. It's essentially the same concept of creating an unstable structure that you have to keep adding onto, onto the top of. Mm -hmm. So I think that system is universally owned by everybody. Uh -huh. And... They do have some of the stories for free online for Dread that you can find in PDFs. Mm -hmm. But you can technically make up any typical horror story. How many of us have ever done the experience of telling a ghost story around a campfire? You know, especially if you were in like Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, you know. Mm -hmm. It's essentially that. You're telling a ghost story where the characters are constantly threatened. And you just keep trying to see if they can get out of it. Just yeah. keep making dangerous situations. I jumped to the river to escape the werewolf. Okay, the rapids are really strong, and now you have to struggle to survive or you're drowned. Mm -hmm. Now you have to make another pull. You know? Yeah. Another one that I found that I thought was amazing is one that's called Lasers and Feelings. <laughs> and this is a legally distinct Star Trek uh, module mm -hmm. where you're essentially on board a starship. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this is that there's no character sheets, really. It's just role-playing through it. You don't have to worry about how things are going to, like, you know, progress or anything like that. You're just kind of playing through the episode. Uh -huh. And what's so great is that it does have one need for a dice, but at the same time, you can just close your fingers and point. What has this grid on the page, and keep in mind, the entire information sheet you need is one page for mm -hmm. the dungeon master. And it is a randomization for what the plot is. So you can be like, close your eyes, point. The captain, close your eyes, point. Kidnapped by pirates, close your eyes, point. Who want to destroy a black hole. Okay, the captain's been kidnapped by pirates who want to destroy a black hole. Now we're going to play this adventure and see how this episode goes. Yes, you could put onto it any kind of dice or card drawing or randomization system that you want. But really, the more fun of it is, here's a random excuse for something that the DM did not have to come up with completely on his own. Mm -hmm. Because one of the hardest things is, if you don't have a pre-generated story, is making it up from scratch. And yeah, like, improvisation is key of it. So... I'm not going to have every last little detail planned out before I go into adventure. Uh -huh. God only knows that you and our friends have screwed me up royally <laughs> in some of the adventures I've tried to meticulously yeah. plan. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at that time I hit, put a huge pile of gold in the middle and you guys were like, oh, so we just pull the lever and flush that down the toilet. <laughs> but all the enemies went too. And then all the enemies went too. So this entire <laughs> room of like this epic fight I was going to have you guys do of like 40 minions that you were just going to like tear through like 
super awesome heroes. You're like, not playing that game, Flash. <laughs> well, I do like the idea, and you, you kind of did this when you did the Capers game with our friends. Um, the idea of not necessarily, you know, not just not having your character sheet or something like that that you're beholden to, but not, you know, one of the problems sometimes with D&D is you, okay, I'm a level one, and I can do, you know, say I'm a ranger, which mm-hmm. is what I, I like to play. Um, I have these three attacks I can do. Yeah. You know? And I, so, you know, it's, it goes to an enemy which one of these attacks do I want to do. You know, whereas it's, I think the having being more freeform where it's like, mm-hmm. what do you think, like, what would you do? Or right. what, what do you think is in the realm of possibility? Like, if I just say, okay, my character shoots an arrow at his hand and pins it, mm-hmm. then you can come up with something to roll. It's not, oh no, I'm doing my barbed shot or something like that. Right. It's, you know, it's a little bit more freeing and it's easier because then it's just people making up a story that fits in the context rather than being beholden to this hits for 2D2 and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And that's my fault because your first D&D experience mm-hmm. was fourth edition, which was my learning uh, engine mm-hmm. and that one is very tactics heavy and uh-huh. so I thought that's how it was for the longest time so that's why you know you haven't had that fun experience of uh-huh. making up something like I shoot in the eye now what happens mm-hmm. you know like how does that change the battlefield yeah when before I'd just be like oh he takes 2d6 damage uh-huh. okay but he has an arrow in his eye yeah that's like, gotta, that's that's gotta, gotta have some something. kind of more yeah. consequential impact than he's just that much closer to death yeah. You know, like that should like also influence his ability to hit me mm-hmm. because he has no depth perception now. It's a spire. He has seven more eyes. I don't care. You know, <laughs> that one was his favorite. <laughs> right. That was his dominant eye that he sees on him. And it's, I think it's easier too for, um, you know, especially in the situation there where you're doing it remotely with people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more freeing for them and it lets them be a little bit more engaged without paying attention right. to just the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a story that you guys are all constructing together. Right. Also, I do admire the system that Capers has mm-hmm. of motivating the DM to keep the story moving forward. There's very few times where you would just say, no, sorry, you didn't make it. Uh-huh. Because in this game they actually have it set up so that depending upon what suit and the cards that you draw you can either succeed with a good luck streak Uh succeed with a bad luck streak fail with good luck Mm -hmm. or fail with bad luck and so like no matter what there's going to be something that like yeah you did it or you did not do it Uh whatever your whatever that is yeah well Like, like bursting through a door yeah well like for example see i wasn't playing with you guys i but i was in the room right right um and at one point they did something they were trying to hit one of the bad guys mm-hmm. and they ended up hitting like a bar that was behind them and right. knocking a because bunch of because he missed yeah knocking a bunch of stuff on off onto the ground right. and but they got it where they had like something good like they failed but something good still was going to happen right. and you asked me what do you think that good thing should be and i said well they missed and they they hit the the bottles of liquor and they've spilled everywhere so maybe the guy falls down and slips it because he's stepping on glass and liquid that's yeah exactly the floor is now slippery it's and not like, what they intended great. But it's beneficial to them. And now it gives them, yeah, you didn't hit him, but now he's on the floor and he's at a disadvantage. And it changes the story. And now we have to react to that new thing. Right. Because that was the problem that I think myself and many other first time Dungeon Masters have is that when a character doesn't do what they were trying to do, Mm -hmm. the story is static and does not change. Mm -hmm. All they did was just waste time doing nothing. And that's how the character feels. A player should never feel that they did nothing on their turn. Yeah. Something should come from their playground, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what I was not doing before. Well, that's why I was a bad DM. Well, I mean, to be fair, being a DM is hard. You it know? is. And I mean, I think we've we've done an episode in the past where we kind of talked about yeah. that. But I think maybe, you know, maybe that's something that is a future episode that we need to revisit and yeah. maybe talk to some other, you know, we have... Um, another friend who's been doing some DMing and stuff so we can maybe talk to him too and kind of have a revisit on how to be a good DM, you know? Um, The last system that I found that I just have to talk about, and I love this, I actually maybe even want to start using this system Mm -hmm. more than the cards just because it's so fantastic, is um, there's this fantasy module I found called Dark Sword. Mm -hmm. And do you remember back in the day when like you'd be with a friend and you're doing like the numbers game with your fingers where you go one, two, three, shoot, and you Uh hold out so many fingers? That's rolling. Hmm. 
-hmm. where what it is is let's say i go to you and i say okay so you're trying to pick the lock for the door so you can get inside you need to hit a four or higher, mm -hmm. right? And you're like, cool, four. So using both your hands, so you have all 10 fingers at your disposal. Uh -huh. And I have all 10 fingers at my disposal as the DM. On the count of three, we hold out as many fingers as you want. And if we are at four or higher combined, you win. Mm -hmm. However, because we have 20 fingers total, if it cycles all the way to 11, it's no longer 11. That now counts as a one for you. Mm -hmm. So if you go too far over 10, you might undershoot your score. Uh -huh. So it's kind of a psychological, like, what do I think he's going to throw? Mm -hmm. And it, what should I throw to be safe? Yeah, and something that you can easily do both in person or virtually, once again. Yeah, So because all you have to do is just one, two, three, shoot. Mm -hmm. I have three, you have seven. Okay, you yeah. know. So I think that's fascinating. And almost everybody in the world has fingers. <laughs> and even if they don't, even for those people who don't, uh -huh. I'm sure they have some method they've developed in their life in how to write a number down mm -hmm. or to record a number before saying it out loud. <laughs> and then you just say, you know, one, two, three, reveal. I wrote down a six, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. that's all it is. It's just getting a number in your head and then at the same time revealing what those numbers are. Yeah, and I mean, not to say that you can't, you know, the... The one good thing is you can still play a traditional D&D &D remotely without necessarily having to go buy things right. or have things at your disposal. You know, you can get character sheets online. There's tons of different apps that will help you create characters. Mm -hmm. There's even apps that will roll dice for you. Right. It's just, you know, there's other ways to do it besides that those traditional right. ones. And methods. the main point, which you actually hit on the, the nail on the head at the beginning, is... Many people right now are desperate for entertainment and they are willing to try something new. Mm -hmm. So if you have that friend or family member who normally would not role play with you, but they want to try something new mm -hmm. and maybe they would, but I don't know, that sheet looks like a lot of math and a lot of me having to be explained to for an hour. Uh -huh. So I understand, okay, so I'm not playing with a character sheet anymore. Mm -hmm. You just tell me what you want to do. Yeah. I will describe something to you. You tell me what you want to do. And then we'll just boiled down the basic system of, okay, you have three chances to get the right number. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. You know, even someone who hates playing games can understand that in the span of 60 seconds and hopefully will enjoy it, you know, because mm -hmm. everybody likes a story. Yeah. That's the point of role-playing is it's a story, you know. And speaking of stories, for anyone out there who wants to role-play and use any one of these systems mm -hmm. but doesn't have a good idea of where to go, I have a suggestion for you. There's this place called DungeonContest.com. And I've talked about this place before. But it is the website where they have the annual contest for the one-page dungeon. Mm -hmm. Where it's an entire adventure, an entire dungeon, all printable on a single sheet of paper. So, like, it's all condensed. The story's all there. All the rooms and mm -hmm. any information that you need is right there. And, of course, you can modify it to your system and your needs as best as you need to. But it's fantastic. People come up with amazing ideas and suggestions. Mm -hmm. And is even, like, ranked up, like, we think this one's the most creative, or this one's the most fanciful, or this one's the most hardcore scary one. Uh -huh. So you can actually kind of go through categories as well for what you're looking for. Yeah. And, you know, this also kind of these, doing a virtual session like this where it is just based on imagination and not bogged down by, you know, pen and paper and stats and rolling and right. things like that also makes it very translatable to children exactly um so you know it's if it's something that you know you're really into maybe doing coming up with these stories and doing these dms mm -hmm. maybe you know you have a niece or nephew who you're you know your right your brother or sister is you know going crazy trying to think of things for them to do you know maybe if they're at that age that this would be something that you can create a fun story for them or something right. i mean because think about it whenever you're doing storytelling with kids they often want to suggest their own changes to the to the story. Like, what if the princess's name is Lauren? Mm -hmm. You know, like, okay, so Princess Lauren said, you know, so they want to tell stories themselves. It's just they're not as experienced with it. But if you give them the stage on which to be the actor and tell their story, they would love it, I'm mm -hmm. sure. And, you know, it's a game. Roll with it. Have fun. Okay, sure, your shark can fly and breathe out of water. Why mm -hmm. not? You know? <laughs> One last little recommendation I have to give, just because I, this is such a fantastic idea and I have to advertise as much as I can. There is a RPG out there called Everyone is John. <laughs> and in Everyone is John, the dungeon master is the only character named John or whatever the name is. So it could be Everyone is Greg or Lauren or whatever. Mm -hmm. And all the other players are voices in the dungeon master's head. 
So you're kind of like being John Malkovich almost, you know? Uh-huh. And everybody ahead of time writes down their objective of what they want him to do. And it could be something silly. It could be something gross. It could be something violent. It's whatever kind of game you guys want to make it. So I would just say ahead of time, decide as a group how mature or, you know, macabre or funny do we want this to be. Be on the same page before you write down your secret objective. And then you just use one of these systems to decide randomly who wins any argument. So, for example, the the item they have here is, you know, John wakes up and says, oh, boy, it's my first day on the job. I have a new job and I can't wait to go to work. And as soon as he gets excited or happy about something, all of a sudden all the players go like, no, I want to interject something. (laughs) And then they all vote and decide about who gets to do it. And then let's say you win, right? Mm -hmm. And then your objective is, I want him to eventually um, become a nudist. And then you just tell him like, you know, in his head, John, these pants are awful itchy. (laughs) Do you really think you need them today? I mean, you're all in in your cubicle by yourself. You're just going to be at a desk all day. I think you can go without them. (laughs) And then John has to do what you're saying because he listens to the voice in his head. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of keep building the story from there. You know, meanwhile, let's say our friend Chris's uh, objective is that John wants to be gross. And it's like, John. That eclair is right on top of the trash. (laughs) It's not really in the trash. It's on top. (laughs) I think it's fine to eat. Who cares if anyone's looking? They they saw the eclair too, but they didn't go for it. Mm -hmm. It's your eclair, bud. You know, so you're building. So like, it's a it's a crazy adventure, and I love the fact that you're essentially all contributing to this one guy's really weird day. (laughs) But let's go ahead and move on then to our next segment of the dice roll. Mm So in this dice roll segment, um, because we're all quarantined and we are essentially stuck with the games that we have. Yeah, which know, for us isn't bad because we have right. lots. Some of us, and I mean, there are still ways to get games, of mm-hmm. course. You can still try to go to Target or something and buy a game. Yeah, and you can still order stuff. It just might right. take longer. Right, but for those of you who don't want to go out or you know don't want to wait for the game to arrive in four to six weeks, mm-hmm. um, some of us might have trouble you know, playing the same game over and over and over again. And so here's our personal picks of games that we like to play, but think we're a little bit thin if you play them too repetitively too soon. Mm -hmm. So one of my first ones, um, and keep in mind, I love all these games, but one that I think wears a little bit thin too soon is Clank. Mm. Clank is a great deck building game that has a board that you go on as well. It's kind of like Uh a hybrid game in my opinion. Uh But the main point of it is to move throughout the board get an artifact that's down deep in the dungeons and then get out. And of course you have the randomization of when the dragon attacks you. And that's essentially kind of like the random timer for how long the game can last. Mm -hmm. But realistically, I feel that in that game, there is an optimal strategy. Yeah. There's a little bit of randomization with how the cards pull and all that, but there's technically an optimal strategy. And based upon how many players you're playing with, and if you play with the same people over and over again, mm-hmm. they will each have their own optimal strategy. And just kind of seeing whose optimal strategy paid off based upon the draw of the cards this time mm-hmm. kind of gets boring after a little while. And it's, uh, okay, yeah, I know I'm going to go for the number 15 artifact uh-huh. because I'm just going to get in and out real quick. Meanwhile, I know Lauren wants to go for the big points, so she's probably going to go for the 25 She'll take this route, you know, unless something really bad happens, but then she'll go here. You know, and it's eventually it kind of becomes predictable. Uh-huh. Yeah. How about you? What's your first one? Um, I think one, so once again, this is a game that I really enjoy, but, um, and it's not so much that it, it gets boring or it wears thin, um, but it's the Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts game. Mm-hmm. My big issue with it is it is a very long game. And there's a lot to set up, you know, it's, you know, it's going to take a long time. And so I just know that, you know, there's even been times, not only just when it's the two of us or even with our friends where it's suggested and it's like, ah, but then that's the only game we're going to get to play, you know, because we're going to be playing this all night long kind of thing. Um, So that's, you know, it's like I said, it's not that I don't like the game. Mm -hmm. It's just because it takes so long um, it's one that like I don't want to constantly play it back to back, but it's also why I think the you know we recently got the dual version, right? Um, and that one's fun because it is a quicker game. 
Yeah. It's also less cards to set up. Uh-huh, yeah. Because the problem with the Battle for Hogwarts, the two to four player cooperative one, mm-hmm. is that as you go along, the cards get combined more and more from different uh-huh. decks. And if you do need to separate those out afterwards, that can take a while. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, the dueling one, um, it's a competitive one, yes. Mm-hmm. But there's less unique decks that you need to segregate out uh-huh. by the end. You yeah. Know? And it's relatively easy to find those cards. Uh-huh. Another one that I have that I just... I keep going back and forth on my love and hate of this game. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember once we did an entire episode about how I love this game, but it's so broken and blah, blah, blah. It's villainous. That's actually one of mine. So, um, yeah, because once again, I do like it. Right. But it's... For my for for me the hard part about villainous is it's not you know you have to not only pay attention to your own objectives but you have to pay attention to the other person's objectives right. which becomes you know harder the more people you have playing but that can just be a lot you know especially if you're switching between characters and having to remember what is my objective with this character and how's the best way to play it with this character right. and- meanwhile I I take the opposite view I think it's better if you do have more characters that you can keep switching between mm-hmm. because to me. Each character is essentially just their own puzzle. Uh-huh. Their own logic puzzle that you have to solve. And it's essentially a race to see who can solve their logic puzzle faster. You know, so like if I'm doing Ursula and I play her all the time, even though she's a hard puzzle to solve, eventually, once you get down, once again, like the optimal strategy for like, I do this and then this and then this, then it's essentially just a race to see like, can I figure that out before you can figure out that you need to just ditch everything for Jafar until you get that one card uh-huh. to open the Cave of Wonders. Because essentially your game can't start until that happens. Mm-hmm. So how many plays does it take for you to figure out, I should just not care about any of the rest of this garbage until mm-hmm. I get to that point, you know? So yeah, it just feels like there's, there's little luck. Or not little, but there's, there's not enough luck in there to randomize it enough mm-hmm. to make me think it's good to replay back to back to back yeah the only exception is if you have a bunch of expansions mm-hmm. and then you can cycle through the different villains yeah you know it would be interesting to see how well uh like yzma compares against dr facilier and those mm-hmm. are characters from different expansions you yeah. know to be like does one seem like they are easier or quicker than the other mm-hmm. you know another one that i think is a bit of a puzzle to solve that I have fun playing it, but not nearly as much as you do. Mm-hmm. I know you've been playing this one a lot, but it's evolution. Oh, yeah. I know that you've well, been playing it on the I've been a playing it on my, a digital version. I think the problem is evolution two-player is not as good. Right. Like, that's, I think that's the problem. Like, if we were just playing it together, i definitely see where it would not be as fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but with more people, then, you know, it it would, I think, yeah, I think it would be, a, it's a better puzzle to solve with more people. Right. Because the thing about evolution is it's, it has all the different traits that mm-hmm. you can have. Like I'm armored or I'm, I have herd abilities or I'm a carnivore or whatever it is, you know, and many of them are kind of good combinations to do. Mm-hmm. But once you find a good combination that essentially makes you invincible and once you get up to a certain size, mm-hmm. like I know that there's one combination of like, I think it's called armored. Where, like, you have a hard shell on you uh-huh. and hurting. If you have armored and hurting and you get up to maximum size, you no one can touch you. Mm-hmm. Like, you literally can just sit there and just eat all the food you want. Uh-huh. And so it's been frustrating for any other player who's like, well, now she's completely off the table. Mm-hmm. So even if we're playing with four players, Lauren's just going to go through the game and just keep eating. And then we all keep contributing food because we also have to eat. Yeah. But then she just is going to keep reaping the benefits. Uh-huh. And so it's a little frustrating in my mind to be mm-hmm. like, ugh. You know, <laughs> so I, I, like I said, I love Evolution. I think it's a fantastic game, really well done. But I could only stand to play that once every week or two mm-hmm. before I'd be like, okay, let's, yeah, that was fun, but let's go do something else. So last one for me um, is a game that you really love. And it's not that I dislike it. I just don't love it as much as you do. And that is Smash Up. Each, once again, each deck has kind of its own way to play it. It combines with other decks either well or not so well it gets more difficult the more people you have in my opinion right um because it's a lot to pay attention to and your plans are constantly going you know getting ruined um but it's just one that it's like it's fun to play but i don't want to constantly play it back to back it gets old quickly yeah um my last one is not a specific game but more of a general category Mm -hmm. and that is the judge picks 
such mm. as Cards Against Humanity or yeah. Superfight, things like that. Uh-huh. The thing about those is they all have their own different flavor uh-huh. and slightly different tweak of how they work, which is fine. But essentially, it's we all going to put forward our best suggestion with the limited cards we have in our hand, mm-hmm. and then he or she will decide that what was the best option or the funniest one or whatever. And that's really entertaining. And some of the best laughs and greatest times we've had is in those. We've even like remembered some of the ones that were just so epically good. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, one time for a super fight, it was Helen Keller balancing babies while riding on a unicycle. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's ridiculous. We have to remember that. And like, uh-huh. we even took pictures and posted online, you know, but it's, it's one of those ones that like, yeah, for that one night, it could be really good, but even after like an hour, it's kind of like, okay, it's kind of wearing down a little bit, but we're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, well, we only have half an hour left at game night. We might as well just keep doing this because it would take too long to put this away, then get out something else. Uh-huh. And then like the next night comes around and like, oh, there's two cards against humanity again. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's one of those like dimish- diminishing marginal ut- returns uh-huh. where like I still enjoy it, but like the enjoyment keeps waning lower and lower and lower until eventually I just don't want to play it, mm-hmm. you know? Well, also, the, you know, games where a judge picks two, they can become very predictable mm-hmm. because, well, this person will always pick this thing. Even if right. it's not really necessarily the funniest thing, this is what's going to right. appeal to if I If I put down something that's even slightly feminist view, Lauren will pick it because, yeah. you know. So that, I think that that predictability also can make them boring after a while. Right, because then you're saving that one card just for him or her because uh-huh. you know... Oh, if I play a dinosaur card in Greg, he'll really want to pick it. So no, mm-hmm. everyone else's thing will be, you know, moot. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, I agree also. that That's not even a point I thought of. Mm-hmm. But the judges themselves can kind of become a game to play of like, I'm not playing to be the funniest for the card. I'm playing the one that I think you would most likely pick. Yeah. And that's a different game that mm-hmm. I don't think is as fun as just let's try to match the card on the table better. Uh-huh. Or the scenario that the judge makes up, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, so those are the games that, while fun, we recommend you don't go to that well too often. Mm-hmm. You know, space those ones out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be interested to hear what our listeners, like, what game have you decided, hey, I still like this game, but I don't want to keep playing it constantly. Right. You know? Like, one of the ones I had thought about, but I think I could, there's enough randomization and variation there, mm-hmm. was Ticket to Ride. But I think that because it has the cards that are telling you you have to get from this city to that city. Uh-huh. And there's enough of those randomizedly yeah. or randomly given to you that my strategy is not going to be optimal and the same every time. Yeah. Oh, I have to get away to Winnipeg now? Mm-hmm. I normally don't go to Winnipeg. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And also we have enough ticket to rides where we can keep it kind of, you know, rotating. And that's the other thing. If I you think, have one of those dual-sided Yeah. Like one of, one of the ones I was thinking that I almost picked were the um forbidden series i that was because, on my list as well yeah those can also get a little too predictable after a while you know especially you know like for us we've played forbidden island so many times i mean we haven't played it recently mm-hmm. but it got to the point where like it's not hard anymore we it, can we can essentially do it. it was a math problem of like yeah we have this many turns we have this many things to do yeah do the math so you can figure out how we get through this path uh-huh yeah i mean i remember the one time we failed forbidden island and i was like we don't fail this game. Like, this game's not hard. This is the first time we've ever failed. Like, I think it's just really bad. And I mean, that's the thing. It does have the kind of bad luck pulls, mm-hmm. you know. But realistically, because it's a mathematical, there's only so many of those bad cards in the deck. And once you shuffle through or have gone through them, then you know, okay, the rest of the deck, we're pretty much like, we have a free run. Mm-hmm. You know, then what's the threat? What's the risk, really? You yeah. Know? But yeah, so I definitely agree there. I, I just didn't quite make the... The top top, of my list of what I wanted, but we talked about here anyway, so whatever. (laughs) Okay, so we are still trapped under quarantine, Mm -hmm. um, but we still love escape rooms, and we still want to do an escape room report. Yes. Thankfully, you found what I think is probably the closest thing to scratching that itch that I could have imagined. Yeah, and I will say, you know, um, escape rooms, they're, you know, they're struggling for sure, but they're trying to, they're trying to address the issue of not being able to open. So I know that a lot of escape rooms are working on digital experiences, whether that be, you know, some kind of um, online thing, or some are actually doing remote sessions where they 
you are essentially using like a Zoom and going into their escape room and you're commanding them to do things. Which I think is awesome. Um, we haven't done something like that yet, but, you know, maybe we will. Um, actually, and it actually, it opens it up too for you to be able to do rooms that aren't in your city. One of our favorite locations, Mind Trap, they are working on a couple of their rooms to do that way. And I know one is like their gold rush room and we've already done it. So for us but to do that. But that's a fantastic that, room and you have to like mm-hmm. see how they present the story. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's something that, you know, is worthwhile if, because, you know, maybe you don't live in California and you right. couldn't normally do that room. I mean, even for us, just driving out to L.A., which is technically speaking only about a 90 minute drive. But mm-hmm. with traffic on certain days, that could be more like a three hour thing. You yeah, know? it all so depends. Just the idea of going out to L.A. to do an escape room, we're kind of like, OK, we're going to do this for the day, you know. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, it's something, you know, I think the longer we're in quarantine, maybe we'll, you know, because obviously, like you said, we still want to do these rooms mm-hmm. and we want to scratch that itch. Um, so maybe we'll be able to try some of these. And so we're going to try to keep doing escape room reports. That's what I'm saying. Um, but you know, it's interesting to see how people are addressing that and trying to meet the need. And, you know, there's still a lot of people who love the rooms, but can't get to them. Um, but we found a, um, essentially an escape room game, um, that's available for, um, PC. Um, and that is called the escaper. And it's actually on Steam right now. I don't know if it's available on like any, I think it's just PC. I don't think it's available on like a console to my knowledge, but don't quote me on that. And I believe right now it's about $3.99. So it's definitely um, affordable. Um, and yeah, this, I think it's just a Steam game. Yeah. Um, and basically it is kind of this 3D point and click game, mm-hmm. but it, it is an escape room. In fact, it is so much an escape room that it actually has an escape room lobby. And and it even in every room has a digital clock on the wall. To tell counting you, down from yeah, hour. Yeah. So basically what it is, is you start out in a room. Um, and once you get through that room, you get into another room. And essentially you're going, it's kind of like, they're not connected. There's no story through line. No, it's three very different rooms. The first yeah. one's like a study. The second one's like a boiler room. Yeah. And the third one's an Egyptian pyramid thing yeah and then you get out into the lobby and you have to escape the lobby that was the most interesting thing uh-huh that reminded me of like um night of the roxbury like mm-hmm. it's a nightclub where the outside where you're waiting is like the nightclub and inside is like the street you know? <laughs> yeah um and what's interesting is it was funny because we got in the lobby and we were doing that part and you're like why why is it that we can never open this door and i was like because that's actually the door to the room we started in right like because it is you are going through like the different rooms that are within this escape room location or something. Which I thought was fantastic, yeah. Um, yeah, and so the, the rooms are, you know, very different and there is no through line. You technically have an hour in each. It did not take us an hour in no. each one. Um, it, no, some of them were a bit of a stumper for mm-hmm. like what the puzzle is, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting because in real life, there's certain ways that you could technically get around or like trick a lock into doing something for you. Like, um... In the Egyptian one, there is a point where there's like a scale and you have to put so many bags of sand into the scale to put enough weight so it like does a thing, mm-hmm. right? In real life, if I can't figure that out and I just see a scale, I'll be like, okay, I will go put my two hands on this, mm-hmm. press down on it to create enough weight and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. But because I don't have any hands in this game, I'm just essentially picking things up with a pointer and then pointing to drop it. Uh, I don't have that option, so I actually have to solve the puzzle correctly. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that um, I thought was neat is you sort of have, like, this, like, a toolbar that has all the things that you're collecting. Because, mm-hmm. you you know, you're collecting keys, all the things that you would normally get in an escape yeah. room, right? Um, but also, it's kind of keeping track of what you've done, what you've seen. So if you go over and try to, like, solve something, but you don't have the information to solve it, you can't, what we call fill method it. And just guess it. Right. Because it's like, no, you haven't gotten that information yet so that you wouldn't be able to solve this. It also automatically gives you the one key, one lock. Yes, it takes it away. Because there is actually a time, I recall, early on in our escape room career, Mm -hmm. where I kept seeing this key. I'm like, what's this to? And you kept saying that's to nothing. But like, I wasn't fully registering that Uh you said that's to nothing. And when you said that's to nothing, you meant like, no, that's already been done. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. So, like, I think I had to ask like three times, and you're like, dude, we've already used that key. 
leave it alone. Yeah, forget <laughs> about it. There is no key. <laughs> right. But like this game, because once you use the key, it removes it from your inventory and you cannot pick it up again. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. You know? Um, I would say, and it's it's all kind of like 3D graphics and stuff. So it does look really cool in terms and of And you like... can actually move the camera around mm-hmm. and look up, look down, which is yeah. cool, you know? Um, you do have to kind of use a keyboard and um, like a mouse um, we were doing this on our TV because we have a system. We have a, um, I have a Steam system. Um, so that was kind of because of the kind of mouse combination we had. It was a little difficult. I would say do this on like a PC. Right. Although I did see that it is touch friendly. Um, and once again, we weren't using a touch screen. So probably had we been doing it on my that PC. Would have been nice. Yeah. Had we been doing it on my PC, which is touch screen, um, it might have been a little bit easier. One of the other drawbacks, though, mm-hmm. is because you only have the one screen, you and I cannot split up to go True. investigate different puzzles but, and to find different clues. Yeah, but I will say, you know, we did this together. Basically, we were both sitting there. One of us was controlling it, mm-hmm. but the other person was saying, well, what, what was that thing? Or, well, what if, right. you know, what if we did this? Like, and we took turns doing that. Yeah, yeah so we were, it was still something we were able to do together. You know, it's just like you said, one person had to kind of control things. We couldn't work separately, Mm -hmm. um, but we were still able to equally contribute. I think that also was a benefit as well, though, because then it's two minds looking at the same puzzle at the Mm -hmm. same time. Because how many times have we been in an escape room where I'm looking at a puzzle? I'm like, I just, I don't get this. Lauren, Yeah. can you come Mm -hmm. look at this? Because my brain is just not doing this. And then I have to then go wander off and find something else to do. Uh Uh-huh. Like... But if we're both looking at this thing, okay, we're both focusing on this, you know? Yeah. The one weakness I would say that it has is there is no hint system per se. Yeah, there's no hints. And so there were a couple times where we, you know, because especially when you're, I mean, in any escape room, you can get stuck. And sometimes you just need that hint to kind of propel you in the right Mm -hmm. direction. Like we always say, if, if in the beginning we've, especially like when you first started the room, and you haven't made any progress in so long. Yeah. Sometimes you just need that one hint to like set you in the right direction and then you're good for the rest of the room. And then you, you know? build the momentum back up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just like we need something to get us started here. Um, with this, because there's no hints, you know, it is difficult because, you know, when you're doing a computer, sometimes like maybe the logic's not all there mm-hmm. or maybe it's not because it is a computer. It's not as apparent that this goes with this. Right. You know, um, or that I can do that, you know, like at one point you paint something, mm-hmm. but it might not necessarily be apparent that I can do that, you know? Right. I mean, I got that right away, but my problem was that I wanted to go places the game wasn't programmed to let me go. Yeah. When we're in the lobby, there's a desk, like mm-hmm. a wraparound desk. And you desk. wanted to go behind and I, it. I'm like, there has to be something behind the desk. Mm-hmm. There's always something down below the desk where the guy's knees would be. And like, I want to go look there, but that's not part of the game at all. That's not part of this puzzles or the solutions. Uh-huh. But I kept being convinced, like, surely I'm just not clicking on the exact right spot. Yeah. You know, so every time we went back, I'm like, okay, well, let me try to go behind the desk again. And you're like, there is no behind the desk. Yeah. But um, so what we ended up having to do a couple times is I had to, like, Google and, like, watch a YouTube up to that point right. of someone doing it. Like, the one that I'm thinking of is we, we were just, we were stuck. Like, we knew, we knew, okay, we need to get into this. We need to code for this but we don't have anything, you know? And I watched the video and it was another one of those instances where we had to go under a desk and it wasn't apparent that we could go under the desk. Right. And so that's why we just didn't realize that we could go under it and see something under there. Because we don't have the ability to physically bend our knees and do that. Yeah. And so in the limitations of like, you have to click to like move to something. It's like, Uh well, what can I click? Yeah. I think this game would have benefited. Well, it's weird. It's a double-edged sword. Because if they could have somehow highlighted when you maybe move your mouse near something, like, you can click on this. That's good. But then also you can just, like, move your mouse across the screen. Yeah. Just hunting and pecking mm-hmm. for, like, what can I interact with, you know? Yeah. So, like I said, it's double-edged sword. But the thing I liked about it was that it did let us do some cool things we haven't done in Escaper before. Mm-hmm. Like, in the Egyptian room, we got to pilot a little, like, remote control robot to go uh-huh. into, like, a small little shaft and interact with the puzzle with its little robot claws. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they'd ever be able to set that up as interactively yeah. in, a, in a room. We did have the one we had to do a Tonka truck and go through a maze. Yeah, and I had to do a um, one of those fun grabs in a room but once. But it's not as interactive as like, okay, now I have to make the robot's claw rotate 90 degrees clockwise mm-hmm. so it can grab this thing and then yank it. 
Yeah. Like, that's a bit too complex uh-huh. that, like, they'd be too concerned of if something goes wrong or if they decide to ram the thing to the wall, mm-hmm. they're going to screw up the robots going to be stuck down there. Yeah. And then the other one that I had a problem with this room, though, is, well, two things. One, they had a musical tone puzzle. Oh, yeah, that was, I, which, I, right away, I was like, oh, this is not going to be fun. Which, like, they have a xylophone mm-hmm. where you have to, like, bang out the tune on it. But, like, nothing is labeled for, like, E-sharp or whatever like that. And if you're not musically inclined at all, it's the most hard puzzle of the entire game. Yeah. And it's it's near the end. So to go, like, two and a half, three, maybe four hours of, like, struggling to be mm-hmm. like, and now I'm just done because yeah. I can't do music. And then the other problem is that the clue for what the tone is, it's four clicks away. You yeah. have to, like, click out of that, click to go left click onto that thing mm-hmm. then click the thing to start playing the music so then you can hear it and then you have to go okay four clicks away let me go back did no, no okay four clicks away you know and yeah. it's really annoying to like not be able to have one person there playing the thing mm-hmm. while you're also banging on the yeah. xylophone to try to like that that doesn't sound quite right you know like you can't hear it and play it at the same time mm-hmm. the other thing i thought was a um mm-hmm. i'll call it a sin that this game creates so it's very convincing. It has the clocks on the wall for the timer. It even has cameras in the room as if the game master's watching it. <laughs> yeah. So it follows all the rules an escape room would follow. Mm-hmm. Except for the, there's nothing above your head that you, like, that you normally couldn't reach that you need. In this room, or in this game, one of the rooms has something on the ceiling that you need. That, uh-huh. that you need to actually grab. Mm-hmm. And the problem is we're so used to not looking at the ceiling for clues. Yeah. Or for things that we need to take that it did not occur to us for the longest time look up for a clue Mm -hmm. because they never put anything above arm reach for the average height person yeah so we were so programmed after like what six years now of playing (laughs) escape rooms like we don't need to look up Mm -hmm. but in this one instance we did need to look up and once again we had to only find that out because i need a clue so we went to youtube but yeah i mean i think you know it really does is able to capture kind of that escape room feel. You know, one of the things we've, you know, we've talked about doing VR escape rooms before mm-hmm. in the past. And, you know, I've always said that, you know, they are fun, but it's a different experience, right? Yeah. And I don't think, like, those VR rooms, they will never replace for me the experience of actually doing an escape room. Once again, this will never completely replace that feeling of actually doing an escape room. But it's, you know, it's a good, fun little thing you can do to kind of help scratch the edge. Keeping our puzzle solving skills um, mm-hmm. honed. Um, Which do you like better? Do you like the VR like Assassin's Creed one that we did, where you can actually manipulate your hands in front of you and all that? Mm-hmm. You actually have to kind of like walk a little bit, and you can crouch down. Or do you like this one better, where like the puzzles are maybe a bit more refined? I would say I like the. I definitely like probably the VR more because it's a little bit more immersive. Mm-hmm. Um, although the VR always makes me feel. It doesn't make me feel nauseous like mm-hmm. it does some people. But afterwards, like, walking feels weird. Like, it's like the real world feels weird. See, I'm the opposite. I prefer this more. Mm -hmm. Because it's more of an exercise for my mind. Mm -hmm. You know, if I want to practice squatting down, I'll just go do squats. Yeah. You know, like, (laughs) as novel as the VR experiences are, Mm -hmm. they aren't satisfying as much to me as Mm -hmm. this is for an escape room. I would rather do 10 of these than another... 50 of the VR escape room mm-hmm. things because they're, they're just not as challenging mentally. Well, yeah, true. But the, the VR ones we've done have been the Assassin's Creed ones. Right. And I think those are more geared towards the Assassin's Creed aspect right. of it. That is true. So I it's just I felt know. like that one, the puzzles are more put in front of me on a plate. And mm-hmm. it's like, deal with this puzzle now. While yeah. this one, I still have to go hunting for things. Yeah, yeah. And like make the associations myself. And it's you, not automatically given logical to me. and skill, yeah. Right. Um, so this, I would, there's what, um, four rooms there's altogether. Four rooms. I will say this, um, on Steam, they have achievements that you mm-hmm. can earn and it kind of discourages me a little bit uh-huh. that some of the achievements are like complete the rooms in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like not all of them, but like you complete a room two in 15 minutes. Uh-huh. So like, are you encouraging me to go back and play it again just to see how quickly I can do it? That's kind of weird. This is, this is very much like a kind of one and done game. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think I think for us it's definitely a one and done. Um, so you you technically get an hour in each room. I will tell you, we only took um, you know two point four hours um, for four rooms for four rooms. Yeah. So you know, and I've heard um, some other people say that it didn't even take them that long. Um, so you know, you might not get like a full 
four hour experience out of this. But for three um, bucks. But for three bucks, yeah, you can't really beat it. And I, I think it will help satisfy that craving of escape rooms. Um, and, you know, I think it was, it has its flaws, but for the most part, it was pretty good. And they definitely tried to, you know, like we said, it's it really is capturing like that escape room aspect of it even has a lobby and it has these separate rooms that are I different I thought that was genius that the last room was a lobby. Yeah. That so, really put a smile on my face. Yeah. So it definitely is trying to really be an escape room. Um, so I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, once again, that's The Escaper and it's available on Steam. Yeah. I would definitely recommend go check it out. Yeah. Now let us move on to the favorites of Friday. <laughs> My Friday favorite is going to surprise you. Okay. It's a game I normally don't like to play. Mm-hmm. But I think something in my brain finally clicked recently. Mm-hmm. And I finally am starting to get Potion Explosion. <laughs> okay. We played recently, we played the other day, and you beat me, but not by much. True, yes. You it was better. like 70 to 77, mm-hmm. which is... Much better than I normally yes. do. Normally, I'd be like in the 30s, and you'd be like up in the 80s. And I was, I was kind because I kind of said, you know, here's a couple things you may, you could have done. Well, better. you gave me tips afterwards, which was nice, yeah. you know. Uh, but like something about that, the game that we played the other day when we did that, I was like, suddenly I'm like seeing combinations and like ways to do this that uh-huh. like I didn't see before, and that's pretty fantastic, yeah. you know. Yeah, and you know, like I kind of told you, you know, although we, you, well, the way you did it is you just gave us like four of the starters right and you picked i picked you picked i picked and i kind of said the ones you picked weren't the best ones like you did that to yourself it wasn't just you got the leftovers like you picked you know um and i told you why Mm -hmm. and then you know i kind of kept encouraging you to you know use your potions to set up combinations and things like that it's just for me i keep forgetting i have those available to me Mm -hmm. but i did remember them the other day well and also people will use them like oh because i just want these three and it's like well okay you could do that but you can also you you know like a lot of people will think the one that just takes one is worthless but just taking one can set you up up for something when i saw you do that i was like Oh. oh yeah and then apparently you didn't realize too that if you have like three of a color you can take the middle one and them connecting still counts as i didn't a, realize that that still yeah. counted and i was that blew my mind too I was like, oh <laughs> wow that makes a big difference yeah <laughs> so guys read the rules thoroughly like <laughs> yeah and i mean i played the app a lot so that's why i got really good at it because i started realizing like and that's why i was this proud combination that i almost got you doesn't, yeah. even though you're like the queen of it <laughs> but i haven't played the app in a while so i'm you're still the queen of it <laughs> well I was gonna say Potion Explosion too because you can say Potion Explosion too it just means that now we know what we're gonna play yeah but um, I'm actually going to so we we talked about this probably in one of our previous um, episodes because we played it at Dice Tower Con Mm -hmm. we had played a game there that was a play to win and we sadly did not win it Um, but we played it a couple times while we were there and that was Sword Crafters yeah and I just happened we had some gift cards for Barnes and Noble and I happened to see they had it on sale and so I was able to get it really cheaply for us right before everything shut down. Mm-hmm. And we just finally broke it out. We hadn't broken it out. Um, and what, not only was I reminded how fun it was, how deceptively challenging it can be. Yeah. But also one of the things you know I was thinking is a lot of people right now are struggling to find things to do with their kids. And I was like, you know what? This is a game that's going to win points with kids regardless. Even if they're not really good at it. Just the act of building this big sword is fun It's more satisfying than when you used to take markers from your teacher's whiteboard and stack them together to make a sword. It's even better than that because it actually looks like a sword and it's more Mm -hmm. stable. You can actually kind of hit your little brother or sister with it without it falling apart. And it it is a good way to teach them logic. Like I said, it might be a little bit beyond them. They might not be good at it. But they're still going to have that satisfaction of building the sword. It's right. still going to be cool, mm-hmm. you know? And because of that, like, because it is deceptively hard and it is challenging, it's one of those that I feel like if your kid is constantly being like, I want to play this, you'd be like, okay, because you're still, you know, maybe you don't tell them that you're beating them the whole time. But, you know, you are you have that own challenge of yourself of trying to play by the rules. And, right. you know, so I think it's it's a good, like, adult game that kids can play. I definitely agree. Yeah. Plus, also, we've been on a fantasy kick lately. Mm-hmm. We've been watching, like, Merlin, yeah. the show that's on Netflix that I think was a sci-fi channel show. Sci-fi or BBC or a combination. I yeah. don't know. But, like, it's a pretty fun show, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think just we're kind of like we have fantasy on the brain right now. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, so Sword Crafters is definitely a game, like, if you're struggling for something to find for your kids, maybe look into it. Yeah, it says it's one to five players. Mm-hmm. And it's six and up. Yeah. But even if it's, even if your kid's younger than that, maybe they don't understand the complex, like, strategies that can go along with making the divisions uh-huh. between the gems. But they can still have fun putting the thing together. Yeah, and it's, I mean... It's I, as easy as Lincoln locked. It's squares with little slots in them, and the slots go on top of each other. Yeah, and I mean, I think, like, there's still... Even a kid under six um, could still understand, like, okay, you want to get the most reds and the most yellows. Yeah. You know, like, Okay, that's, reds and yellows. Yeah, exactly. That's not a hard concept for even a younger kid yeah. to understand. And I'm sure that there's even mods you can do for the gameplay of, like, we're just going to draw random tiles. You pick mm-hmm. two colors, I pick two colors, and we'll try to build our sword. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or try to make a rainbow. Mm-hmm. Right? That could be fun. So, yeah, I, I'm just saying great choice, good game. I would highly recommend this. Plus, it's cool that they have little swords mm-hmm. that don't hurt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that are actually fairly sturdy, considering. Plus, once you get really bored, you can make mega sword, like how <laughs> I did in the middle of the convention floor where the thing i'm just under six feet tall and the thing went from the floor all the way up to like my chest (laughs) and that's without the tip expansion where they give you the sword tips the little pointy stabby bit which actually makes the game a lot harder yeah that's an extra strategy level that we honestly it's fun but we kind of don't need yeah it it, yeah (laughs) makes the sword look nicer but we don't need yeah, well, and it was just, it was funny because we were like, okay, we get this, we get this. And then we got to the end and it was like, oh, that did not work out for me. <laughs> I did not think about how this was going to end. Yikes. <laughs> Music for this episode is Mega Rust by TwinMusic.com. You can find us anywhere podcasts are available. However, rates and reviews on iTunes are appreciated as it helps new listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Come talk games with us. Thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>